Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Everybody and welcome to Inside Legion. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I am Pete. And this is the podcast that takes place outside David Haller's mind. Yeah, we moved. Yes, we moved outside because it turns out lots of stuff is real. Probably there you go. Yeah. Hopefully you listen to listen to. Hopefully you watch the last episode of the first season of a Legion. Otherwise, huge spoilers. And hopefully you watched it all the way through the credits, because true to Marvel form, there was a post-credits sequence that we're going to talk about here. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, uh, I want to get your guys' impressions. Now, we've been following the show all season long, yeah. the past <laughs> eight weeks, two months of our lives, gone forever, never Holy to have gotten shit. them back. Uh, what do you think about the show in total? How, how, did, how do you think it panned out? Justin? Uh, in total, uh, I mean, this show is great. It's... Uh, it's so it uses so many different genres, and the the format is so interesting. It's such a visual show. Uh, the characters are so well done, and the acting's great. It's just so good, top yeah. to bottom. I just want to point out right now, Pete is basically lurking over you and about to, and rocking back and forth. And in the fetal position, maybe, because you're so upset that the show is over. Is that what's going on, Pete? He's the angriest yeah. boy in the world. <laughs> this is a... Uh, well, thank you for that. Uh, this is uh, has been a very intense show from start to finish. Um, and uh, it is one of those shows that is an emotional roller coaster. I go through uh, times where I love this show and I hate this show. Um, but it's meant to be like that. Yeah, I think this was uh, a phenomenal first season, a phenomenal show. I really loved the things they tried in the show, how artistic it was and how different it was. And the casting and the acting is phenomenal. I don't think they ever wanted you to hate it. No, I don't think they did. They probably wanted you to like it, in fact, like the show and want more. Yeah. Uh, This is one of my favorite TV shows in a really long time. And I think the reason... There's a lot of reasons. I mean, visually, it was spectacular and different every episode like we talked about. One thing I realized this episode, and we'll see how it pans out in season two, this might be one of my favorite TV scores since Lost. The score is beautiful. Like, we get a couple of music moments, particularly towards the end of this episode, uh, and we've had dance sequences and other things going on in the past, which are always awesome. But the musical score by Jeff Huso is gorgeous. The main reason that I love this show, though, is... I have no idea what's going to happen next, but not because they are randomly going in plot directions, if you guys get what I mean. And that's something that I love in a show or a movie or anything like that. Like, I can't guess it, but it makes total sense once they get to the next point. Yeah, this show treats its audience like they're very smart. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, hey, we're going to tell you the story how we want to, and you can draw from it what you want or what you can. Like, Like, we don't know... Uh, a lot. We don't have all the answers by any mm-hmm. means at the end of this episode. We don't know who Division Three is really. We don't know what's going on with this uh, man who has his face burned, um, and all the other characters at Summerland are 
have a we don't get their inner thoughts. We this episode, I feel like of all of them, we're very much removed from the inner workings of the characters' mm-hmm. brains, and we're just watching them. This was an interestingly structured episode. To your yeah. point, it felt like it slowed down surprisingly, particularly for a last episode, like last week's episode was way more action-packed and insane things happening over the top. This one, there was a good chunk of it where there was no fighting, no crazy visuals. It was mostly people talking and trying to understand each other. And ultimately, what I think I got out of this is this show is about how people connect with each other. I mean, it's always really been about that. And I think we talked about this in a previous episode, how everybody's powers Mm. are somewhat based on that. You have Carrie and Carrie are very much about Mm -hmm. what are they without their separate halves. You have David, which has all of these people rattling around in his head and has this uh, symbiotic relationship with the man with the yellow eyes, Amal Farouk. Sid can't be her, you know, she can't touch somebody else. She can't connect with somebody else. So everybody has this going on, down to Melanie Bird and Oliver Bird, who finally reconnect only to break apart in the most heartbreaking way this episode. The only one who gets short-shrifted, I think, and again, we talked about this a little bit from him disappearing last episode, Tanami. Tanami is just kind of there. He's there and he's like, just, he's like, only just rashly fires his Tommy gun in this episode. It's sort of, I, I wonder, it almost feels like they stopped liking the actor because they were like, sorry, dude, you're yeah, just a everybody else man. gets so much to do. And the guy, yeah. I like him. I really yeah, like him on a great. show. His power is cool. He had so much to do before. I mean, maybe when you don't have to go into memory anymore, there's not as much for his character to do, for his power yeah. to do. But that, again, similar to last episode, was the only disappointment for me was not seeing everybody used to their fullest potential. And I feel like uh, they used a lot of him early, and then I think they're doing a good job of, like, mixing stuff, and I'm sure that next season we'll, we will get a lot more of him. Yeah, I just feel, sure? Well, I think they, they this show has been doing a great job of giving people kind of time, and in the beginning he got a lot of time. I mean, I still would like to spend some more time on him as a character, not so much him just doing things so we can explore other people. So he's your new Lenny. Uh, no, no. Like I love Tonomy as much I, as I would like to go back to what Zelvin was talking about with relationships. And this is the reason I hated this episode. What? Because, oh. what? because we weren't dealing with the things in the room. We have two people uh, who are married and are finally back together, but we don't have time for them. Like, fuck. You. Wait, what are you talking about? Uh, Oliver and Melanie? Yeah. No, no, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but what are you talking about? Also, the fact of, like, we had this thing going on where uh, they were like, yeah, we have to get information. We have to do this thing about, uh, you know, all these agents or whatever. But also, oh, we got to get this bad guy out of your head. And it was just like there were so many things going uh, going on, but nobody was like dealing with them individually. Also, we had Carrie and Carrie were fighting, and <laughs> nobody was dealing with that. It was just driving me I, I couldn't Pete? deal with the action or in the things happening in the episode because right. I was so worried about the how fragile the relationships were. So your main thing is you get annoyed when people are trying to relate to each other and trying to ask each other questions, but they just uh, rush past and ignore them. Is that kind of what you're saying? I don't like the way you're setting me up. <laughs> I, know, I do but not no, like no, 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 no,
Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, like, like the song. I'm sorry, we just don't have time like, to hear that. Like answer. how uh, when I asked you, what are you talking about with Melanie Bird and Oliver Bird, and you just skipped ahead and went on with whatever you wanted to talk about, Pete. Right. This right, show exactly. has been really therapy for the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I feel like we need to reconnect. Wow. So I booked us three tickets <laughs> to a spa. In Turks and Caicos. <laughs> oh, I really thought that was going to end in a very different place, having to do with something with Summerland or something like that. But no, well, Turks and Caicos is like oh, okay. just a yeah, fun it's like the Summerland of uh, the Tur- world. Turks and Caicos, yeah. <laughs> wherever that is, it's an island. But yeah. I, I'm the only one who was bothered by this. Uh, I think that's interesting to me, Pete, because this, to me, was the most like simplistic episode. This yeah. was the most like. Standard TV episode. It's a bad good guy versus bad guy. They're just trying to solve these puzzles to uh, to win, and very much like one to one. They got the bad guy out of this person, out of this person, and all of a sudden the bad guy's in this person, and off they go. Well, I agree with you that it was very straightforward. We didn't have the mind-bending, uh, double-twist, inception-level yeah. ending we were expecting going on, uh, but it was still really about a conversation. It was really about, oh my gosh, what's the name of the bad guy who turns out not to be a bad guy? But it's something with a C. It's like Clive or something like that? Clark, thank you. Um, So it really was about David and trying to connect to Clark. Well, but I I mean, so to to take it back to the beginning of the episode, we... We spend a lot of time learning about Clark and what he has uh, a a husband and their their fathers to... this son that they have. I mean, you don't learn what the deal is, really. Yeah. But uh, you learn that he has a, like sweet a, a, moments. A, yeah. There's a nice. There's nice moments. He has love in his life. He has a family, and then we see that he is just uh, ravaged by what happened. What David does to him, and is trying to get revenge, which is legit. I mean, that the fact that they're dealing with that is pretty cool because a lot of times, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, something happens to you, and we're just moving on. Right. Yeah. So it was nice to get that moment. So. So we learn all that, and then he shows up at Summerlands. Uh, they, he, all of his soldiers are dispatched. He's spying on them for Division Three, uh, and but then that's about it. Like he, we see him like put on this cool jacket. Uh, very much. It's not it. Oh, just wait a second. Uh, <laughs> he's got a cool staff. Uh, he, it was almost like Unbreakable, like Samuel Jackson Unbreakable. I was mm-hmm. reminded of. Uh, but then he shows up, and then by the end of the episode, he's just like. They're sort of friends now. Like I feel like they set that character up so hard to be important, and he was just well. Not. But he is, but in a different way than you expect. I, I love that opening sequence. I loved the idea that in five minutes you can learn all of this backstory and all of these layers to this character who we thought was just an interrogator in the first episode. Beyond bringing it back to the first episode in the last episode and tying it up nicely that way, but. You know, if you look at, for the most part, it's also beyond connection about how people are more below the surface than we think they are. That's what we learn from him. I mean, he is, his face is half burnt when he shows up at the end of last episode. We're like, oh, shit, here he is, ultimate bad guy villain. But David immediately dispatches of the soldiers in that ridiculous human being tower towards the top of the episode. He's, bean tower? Human, human being. being. Oh, being. Yeah. Not I thought you were tower. saying, like, you know, a bean tower. A tower of beans. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah uh, we, we don't uh, amount to anything in this big pile of bean towers. <laughs> yeah. This big bean tower yep. that is life. Yeah. Ugh. But he turns out to be something different. And he 
clearly did have a connection with David and clearly was a softer interrogator in the first episode. And we get back to that and we see how they get to their status quo going forward. So it's not what you think is going to happen, but right, it makes but a certain amount of sense. It just, it, they took it, the final episode of the season, introduced, like, not introduced, but I guess like filled out this one character and then just set him up to be on the team. To me, this episode felt like the first episode of the second mm-hmm. season. Like they resolved so much at the end of the last episode and we get this sting like, oh no, uh, yeah. Clark's back. Yeah. That felt like season finale, cliffhanger, let's get to... And then yeah. season season two starts with this, where we're introduced mm-hmm. to this character, very much like Lost, when there was a cliffhanger to end the season, and then you'd start right where that left off and get some backstory on a Ben Linus or uh, whoever. I will tell you... Will you? Not, I will. I'm going to tell you a thing. Uh, Don't prom- not make that... a promise you can't keep. <laughs> That's true. I might not be able to tell you I'm... Very frequently get interrupted in this show. Uh, we all do. Waiting on you to finish your thought. No, Not me. Never so. been interrupted. <laughs> really? Never once. Cool. Very cool. All right. Stop with the <laughs> pregnant pauses, you assholes, and talk. Can't interrupt me if I talk real fast. Yeah. So I was hoping that this would be completely tied up in this episode, that everything would be finished off. There was a part of me that was almost hoping that, like with Fargo, this would be an X-Men anthology called Legion, mm. and that we would finish the story of David Holler this episode, and then next you know, year we get like eight-episode Maggot series or something like that. Huh, what a Maggot. weird dream. <laughs> maybe not Maggot. Maybe Barrow or Cecilia Reyes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the way more popular but, uh, yes, but Dr. Way Forcefield is the one everybody <laughs> Dr. wants. Dr. Forcefield. She was always looking for a name, and y- you were there the whole time. To me, to me, that that not to get into the comic books too much, but like it was like great new mutants were introducing Maggot, Marrow, and Cecilia Reyes. Or, uh, and then it was like, her, she was like, I need to find a, a nickname. They were like, oh, you're boring. Bye. And they just got rid of it. <laughs> well, I don't know. She was the X-Men who was like, uh, no, I really, no, I'm a doctor. Could you guys just leave me alone, please? It's so what a bummer. Yeah, it was a bummer. That whole Some people really like their work. Uh, no, I know, but maybe they shouldn't be in superhero comic yeah, books. Yeah, get her out of the comic books then. Yeah. Go be a doctor. If if the whole idea of your character is I don't want to be here, then I don't want that character to be there. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Get out of here, Celia Ray's fan. My point being, uh, it, and to your point, Justin, I think it was not a disappointment, but a little bit of a surprise that it was so conventional an ending to a season. It, it was one of my least favorite episodes of the run. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I also, it was really I feel like hard. we're turning against the show. Has I the feel like... Oh, I love the show, but this episode, like, it just sort of landed in such a simple, classic TV way that I didn't expect. All right. Well, let's talk about some other uh, plot points. Oh, I would just Pete, like to, to jump on that idea real quick. Yeah, it was hard because it, I was watching my two favorite characters drive off together, and I'm worried, like, when will I see them again? You know, uh, season two. Well, yeah. I don't know. We don't know if they're going to focus more on the heroes and we won't get them as much. So I'm a little concerned. All about right. It. Well, let's talk about the ending when we get to the ending. So yeah. we talked about Clark, uh, Clark's arc, if you will. Clark, Clark, Clark. And then uh, what else was going on in the episode? Uh, so Lenny is breaking through. Lenny has made a connection with Sid. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about this? We talked a little bit creepy. about how maybe, if anything, Sid is the main character in the show, not David, I felt like these scenes back that up. And I felt yeah. like her taking the action to eventually save David by kissing him also back that up. Yeah. 
Uh, I agree with you. I think uh, she was definitely the one making, driving the changes in the episode. Like, uh, David was once again sort of like the powerful force that everyone was moving around. Yep. Uh, so I agree with that. But I did think we get more of David in this. Like he, yeah. I mean, listen, he, he's the title character. I don't think he's going anywhere in the show or anything like that. But Sid ultimately is the person who, to your point, is making everything happen. And also, her name's Sid Barrett, right? And then this crests in a huge sequence to Pink Floyd. So yeah. it's not just a thematic thing. It's something I think that they're tipping their hand there. And the last sequence, this is very much jumping ahead, not last sequence, but the big fight sequence is Sid. Sid is joining the final, final battle. It's Sid in David's body fighting uh, Amal Farouk in Girl Carrie's body. Yeah. Which I thought was neat. It was a weird thing. It was an unexpected thing. But ultimately, it is Sid joining that final battle and Sid taking that step, not David. Uh, yeah. It was also Sid was driving me nuts because she was getting information and not sharing it with the fucking team. That was insane to me. She had the answers and she's just sitting there watching shit go down. Well, because I don't think she wanted to. She didn't want to help Amal Farouk. She doesn't want to help Lenny, right? Yeah. yeah well, I don't want to help torn. Lenny either. But if you don't know you? that. Whoa, what's going on with you and Lenny? You love Man, Lenny. You guys were such a You cute were so couple. close. Well, I just felt like... Sorry, I interrupted you, Justin. No, you didn't. Uh, I just felt like it was uh, another frustrating moment in the show where it was like we had key information and key players had that information and weren't sharing it so we could make the right decision in the moment. I feel like you're the kind of guy that wants like a text every five or ten minutes from your friends just to let them know what's going on. No, that would be awful. What if I had information that you needed? (laughs) I would want you to share that with me. Okay, I'll text you. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Pete, did you check out uh, HuffPo? <laughs> hey, Pete, saw a new Burger King commercial. You should check it out. Hey, Pete, just saw a bird. <laughs> Later. <laughs> it's going to be great. We're going to be. We're gonna uh, finally reconnect. Yeah. I'll cancel our flights to Turks and Caicos because they are expensive. Oh, my God, it's too much money. We do not have that kind of budget in the podcast. No, if you no, would no. like to support our trip to Turks and Caicos, <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Lenny, though, Pete. Are you broken up with uh, Aubrey Plaza? What's going on? No, I mean, uh, I'm just worried about the state of the show because my two favorite people are off the show. <laughs> definitely not. You're crazy. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen next season. No, we don't. But they're also not going to be like, well, two interesting characters and a plot line we want to follow. Goodbye forever. To be fair, they might have run yeah. out of gas or gotten in a car. Right. Accident. That's true. We don't know. They're what... dead. Actually, uh, we, I think we could definitively say that they died five minutes after the end of the episode. Well, it was interesting. The last shot of them, they drive away and the car is named President. President Trump. Donald what? Trump's cabinet. What? Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Horror movies. In horror movies, people die. They're dead. Wow. Ah, that's, that's crazy. What you, I call guys are sense. Well, Awful. I want to throw something out to you guys. I thought the best part of this episode was the convincing argument they made that Aubrey Plaza needs to start uh, star in a gender-swapped version of Beetlejuice. What do you guys think? Wow. That'd be... They definitely really had her doing some Beetlejuice moves. <laughs> yes. Very much so. I mean, listen, I'm a huge fan of Beetle, Beetlejuice. We probably shouldn't say it any yeah, more times. Jeez. I'm just saying we shouldn't say it any more times. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That is the one supreme being that Alex believes in. <laughs> yeah. It's the character Beetlejuice. Yeah! Uh, dun, 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 dun. Uh, 
by point hey, B. Mr. Tallyman, tally <laughs> me <laughs> banana. Okay, where guys. do the shrimp cocktail come from? We are going to do some research on this. Movie. Yes, we sure are. Uh, anyway, I thought she was again great in this episode, and as always, I know I'm kind of making a joke here, but also watching those scenes of this episode. I would totally watch a gender swap Beetlejuice starring her. I think that would be great. Very specific request. <laughs> Pay attention to Hollywood. You got one fan out what here. Customer. I just think if you're going to have an opportunity to put RPX. Plaza in a movie, who cares what the role is for? Plaza can do it. Wow, I can't believe you are just so crazy about her. <laughs> She's phenomenal. Yeah, no, she is what, great. You want to see her as Lydia Dietz? Shirk. <laughs> that's, sure. that's a real, real big dig. Yeah. Uh, but how? So you love Lenny, then you love the, um, the somewhat large, somewhat bloated man in the yellow. Why eyes. has he got to be bloated? He's bloated because he <laughs> he's, he's retaining a lot of water. Listen, I'm sorry. I, we've talked about this a lot on the show. That guy's bloated. No, yeah. oh, you guys. He's just gassy. Yeah, he's just very gassy. Uh, well, let's talk about how things wrapped up with Amal Farouk. So Amal Farouk uh, through the Shadow Lenny, King, the Shadow King, also known as, as Lenny, also as known predicted as the w- world by one member of our group. Yes, very good job. Uh, I he, knew you were uh, going to be a douche about this. He told Sid that he couldn't be eliminated. You can't unmake a soup, which I thought was a wonderful line. Very cool. Yeah. Love that idea. Uh, and they start wiping out the memories of Amal throughout David's history, which again, takes us back through all of these scenes in the show, back to the beginning of the show, which I thought was, again, an incredible sequence. Uh, But they can't get rid of him. And so Amal ends up getting free. So getting back to what Pete was saying earlier, Amal takes over Oliver uh, Bird, and they go on the road together. What do you think? Road trip. Road trip. What do you actually think is next for them? What do you think they're trying to do? Well, I would like to talk real quick about that montage uh, that was a fun kind of like, oh, remember that? Oh, this it was like a fun journey we all went on. <laughs> like, what a crazy trip it's been together. Um, <laughs> but it was also interesting that, that was the we, point to that at all. Yeah. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> uh, also, the ending, on, it's, it hung on the baby, right? Which was very interesting because that was before the Shadow King got there. Yes. Which I thought that was very interesting. That yeah. was like the one part where they weren't connected and they hung in the background for a long time. And it was cool. I like David had the the line, what am I without you? Like yeah. that was that was interesting. That was my favorite part, I think. Well, that's so they're well, going back the, through they're going back through the memories and that is to your point, that's before he was taken over the Shadow King. Mm-hmm. That's how he's able to turn the tables on the Shadow King because they're now in a memory where Amalfruit doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Very cool. No, I thought it was pretty powerful. But where do you think they're heading? What do you think is going on with them? I have an idea, but I'm curious to hear from you oh, guys. You have an idea. Yeah. Somewhere well, down south. We know they're heading south. Yeah. Uh, so maybe somewhere where there's a gambler who uh, can make uh, playing cards. Uh, oh, you and, think Gambit's going to show? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, and that's how they're going to introduce Gambit in the next movie. Boom! No, they're definitely not going to do that. Uh, By the way, we should mention that uh, Pete, when he said boom, actually used his kinetic powers to make something explode. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really hard. Very gambit. Everything is on fire, but I do think we should get through the rest of the podcast. Um, Professor X. They're looking for Professor X, right? I mean, that's been, Amal has been trying to do all along. They start playing Children of the Revolution, which I think... Children of the Atom, Children of the Revolution. They're chipping their hat there. But uh, down south, well, where is Professor he, X down south? Yeah, he's upstate New York. 
I don't know. I mean, this is a different universe. This is an alternate timeline. So who even knows? But I imagine that's what they're looking for, right? What do you think? I mean, that's. I assume that uh, that would make sense because the Shadow King wanted revenge on Professor X, which is why he jumped into David Holler's body to begin right. with. Uh, so you, you would think he would go at, back after that. But I'm also trying to think. Down south doesn't make sense. What somewhere X-Men, warm is what they first yeah, said. I, so I was like, why does I that will matter? say though, there was a pretty famous Shadow King storyline involving Gambit and Storm when Storm was super little kid. Yeah. And after they went through, of course, the siege perilous, as you guys That's know. That's definitely what they're going to introduce <laughs> next season. I mean, that would be a trippy thing for them. That to would do. be great. I they would love head that. down to Australia. I guess we just saw the Reavers in Logan, so we probably won't see them. Right. We probably won't see the Reavers, but that happens after the Reavers and after the Australia storyline. The Siege Perilous, I don't know. That's a crazy thing. For those of you who haven't read the comics, the uh, X-Men are in the outback, and in order to escape the Reavers, they yep. go through the Siege Perilous, which sends them to new lives. And so Storm ends up being a tiny little kid like she was a pickpocket back in Cairo, doesn't quite have control of her powers, and ends up getting together with Gambit, who has the classic Wolverine little girl dynamic, but with Gambit and Little Storm, uh, and they end up fighting the Shadow King. Yo, that would be awesome if they introduced <laughs> the Siege Perilous that. and all the characters took on different lives and they eventually reconnected. Right. And it would fit with the style Absolutely. and sort of tone of the show. 100%. I, Yo, I, we figured it out. I still don't think... Like, I hope they're not going after Professor X because at this point, other than the little touches, I don't want a legit X-Men to show up in the show or yeah, any of the X-Men to exist. I want it to be its own thing because it's been so good so far. But I do like that they touch it like the Shadow King was the villain. Like, yep. they take it and sort of interpret it. So I feel like uh, introducing the Siege Perilous Gateway, like that world oh, feels Gateway. Fair. Gateway yeah. would be great. I would love that. Yeah. That would be excellent. Uh, let's talk about, well, before we get into the little teaser at the end, anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, in the first few seconds of the show, I really thought my theory was right, that he was in the bed the whole time because yeah. the, the closing credit sequence matched with the, uh, monitor, yeah. uh, the heart rate monitor. I was like, oh, he has been in this room all the time. But it wasn't. It was, uh, yeah, cause that would Clark. suck. That was a shit. You get one good theory a season. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's enough. Yeah, I I know I mentioned this earlier, but the Melanie Bird Oliver Bird stuff was yeah. so good and so well handled this episode. And I don't know if well handled is uh, the right word. It, it, it broke my heart. Heartbreaking. Uh, Jemaine Clement suddenly remembering his wife's name right before he loses it. He gets taken over by the Shadow King. Perfect. Primo. Love that moment. Tragic. Ugh. Pete, you loved I, it? It was just, no, it was just <laughs> so heartbreaking that they didn't get the moment together. Like, he finally realized who his wife was. That was cool. But it would have been nice if the whole time she's looking at him that she he might have stopped and been like, hey, why does this lady keep bringing up my wife? Oh, maybe this is something I need to think about. Yeah. yeah. I'd also mention uh, this was a very romantic episode in a certain way. Well, yeah. mm. not totally romantic, but... Like the Carrie Carrie stuff, obviously not romantic, but seeing them get back together was really beautiful and uh, showed how well they've developed those characters and their conflict. The Sid David stuff I thought was fantastic as well. Yeah, as um, and then Tonomy was also there. Yeah, Tonomy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's everybody's let's talk wheel. about the post credit sequence. Yeah. So uh, David yeah. and Sid are on a balcony. A little weird spear comes up. They're like, oh, that's cute. And then David gets scanned, sucked into the sphere, and taken away while he's screaming. Yeah. 
That was some like weird seventies. Well, that was what yeah. the guy Absolutely. said. He was like, "Send in whatever." That's what he was talking. So you think it was uh, from Division Three? Yep. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but I feel like it's such an easy answer. It's like the mm-hmm. obvious answer. I would think it would be something completely new and weird. Yeah. Can I mention one thing before that I kind of loved? Yeah. Uh, so David, once he's uh, come out of his coma and once he's come out of being trapped in his own mind, is wearing that triangle T-shirt that you yeah. mentioned a couple of episodes back, Justin. Uh, at the very end, he's wearing a three-dimensional triangle yeah. because he's finally a three-dimensional human being like he talked about in the episode. Good stuff. I thought that was delightful. Yeah. Uh, so you're not sold on the sphere being Division 3. You don't think... You do think it's Division 3. Yep. Um Division 3 definitely makes the most sense. Here, I'll throw out two possibilities from Ooh. X-Men stuff for you. One, I thought this who was who it was at the beginning of the season. I was clearly wrong. What if it's Mojo? I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know and haven't read the comic books or ever listened to this podcast before, uh, Mojo is an interdimensional being who runs... Uh, dimension entirely based on consuming television. He's an Uber producer, and he always has a tendency to uh, steal X-Men and build yep. shows around their lives and manipulate their lives to make the television more interesting. I still think that's the sort of uh, crazy that meta would work thing, here. exactly, that would totally work on this show. It is meta. It's so in-world. It's introducing a lot of X-Men stuff. I mean, and plus, and this isn't sounds like a joke, but it isn't. Be weird to have the villain for back to back seasons yeah. be a large man <laughs> large with, that's yellow. yellow. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it would be weird. Here, I'll throw you another possibility that I thought. Uh, maybe it's Nanny. Do you guys remember Nanny? And I, I don't remember if it's Orphan or Orphan Maker. I think it's Orphan Maker. Orphan. So Nanny is this weird egg creature that flies around at a UFO and likes to capture the X Men and turn them into babies. So you think could, they're doing X babies? I I don't know. We'll see what happens. X Men, but babies. with all of the focus on taking David back to his childhood and constantly checking back into that, I think that would be an interesting, weird thing to do. And yeah, somebody capturing crazy. somebody in like a spherical thing that definitely feels like a nanny thing to do. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that interests me the most is we, the siege perilous we talked about. So fine, I don't know how that connects to the sphere, <laughs> but it's definitely like. Transportation, yeah, there you down go. to Aussie. So you just want it to be the Siege Perilous, Pete? You just think it's Division Three, and that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. I'm uh, trying to think what other like that with that little drone guy. I can't think of an X Men villain or even or character at all. It's their take on maggot. Yeah, <laughs> they're floating maggots, which are gross. Yeah, flying maggots are literally an actual horrible thing. So there yeah. you go. Flies. Uh, cool. Before we go. What's real? What's not real? Do we, can we put this to the side this episode now that we're pretty sure what's real and what's not? Or uh, what do you think, Justin? I mean, it seems like everything is real now. Like all these characters are real. Yep. But I mean, I still have a nagging itch. Some, yeah. It is a little the connection point between the credit sequence and the heart monitor. There's still revelations to be had. Yeah, I think that nagging issue is actually a flying maggot. Yeah. So watch out for that. getting the blood drained from the Yeah, wait, you were talking about, uh, we didn't talk about this, the opening credits, the heart monitor was the closing credits design, which I thought was so cool. Yeah. 
He did. So, I, I mentioned it. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. No, yeah. I wasn't listening. Uh, Pete, what about you? Do you oh, real see, or not real? People that don't interrupt cold. me. People don't interrupt me, but they also don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, Aubrey Plaza is real, and that's all I care about. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, uh, well, God. this is uh, this whole podcast has really been a love letter from Pete to Aubrey. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's ever going to work out, Pete. I'm just going to throw that out to you. Wow. It's fine. She can live Jeez, her life, but I mean, she's got um, a fan. That's all I matters. think uh, my script for a gender swap, Beetlejuice is real, and Aubrey, please call me, not Pete. Nice. Wow. That's, that's cold-blooded, man. Well, no. I have a business proposal. You're just being creepy. What? I'm not being creepy. He's being lovey. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with loving somebody's work. Before, last thing before we go. Predictions for season two. What do you think is going to happen, Pete? If I could write season two, it would fuck everybody else and it focus on the two greatest characters in that car the whole time. We don't even get any part of what they're up to. So just Jermaine Clement and Aubrey Plaza yes. on a road trip, evil road trip together. Yes, that would be the coolest season ever. All right. Justin, what about you? I think Tonami moves to New York and just really sets himself <laughs> up and finds a new life because you know, his friends are not taking care of him. Aww. Uh, I think we're going to get a little more of the school uh, run by Melanie as she deals with the crazy kids. It's going to be like a sitcom called For the Birds. And, Ooh, that's uh, good stuff. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's what I believe. A lot of talking coffee maker. The, co- the talking coffee maker becomes like a, like a sassy he robot. He killed the talking coffee maker. Oliver killed it. He told it to shut up, and he disconnected it. So sad. It would be weird if you encountered a device that was you. Yeah. I would unhook it, too. Yeah, I would definitely do. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's going to be really hard for her next season because she finally got him back, and then he's gone again. I mean, that's got to be brutal. Yeah, that's uh, that's called television dramas. Yeah, oh, that's that. uh, building tension and releasing tension. There you go. P- Pete hates tension. Yep. Really? Sure. You love he like yelling at people. He likes shooting them with guns. I like I like causing tension. He's at peak. <laughs> he's like at peak that. tension. Yeah. So all right, he at all times. Exactly. He's super saturated. Let us know what you think is going to happen in season two of Legion. If anything else pops up in the break between now and 2018, check back with our podcast feed. Uh, to, and we'll, maybe we'll drop some surprise episodes or something like that. For we'll sure. Uh, yeah. And like this is closing up our uh, Legion podcast for this season. If there's another show you'd like us to jump on to, mm-hmm. uh, please let like us know. Like Arrow? That'd be yeah. nice. I don't maybe think that's going to We have our Riverdale podcast you can check out. Also, we do a live show in New York every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. totally free at the Pit Loft. You can check out info on that at comicbookclublive.com, nerdist.com, where you do the podcast. Pete, anything you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you know about all the amazing guests we have on the show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. And I already said the websites, but you guys, watch out for flying maggots. Yeah, I'll be, uh, so I got to get out of here, guys. I'm jumping in a car with Aubrey and we're going for a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.